The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Dave Gillen is my guest and we're taking your calls on everything from salvias, blue spruce and even goats. So if you've got a goat, keep in touch because I want to know about their udders. We've got also some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Sheila from Hatfield Peveril. I have three uh, salvia plants. They're the lip collection, yeah. and they're um, in three pot, uh, stone pots at the moment. I'd like this and in full flower still. <laughs> Um, I'd like to transfer them into the garden and I would like to to um, um, sort of cut them a little bit because they're so spindly, you see. Yeah, and I they want can to grow. See if I can trim them up. They can grow spindly. Um, yes. When would you move them? You see, I, I personally, I'd move them in the spring rather than now. Probably, but, yeah. yeah. The, they're in pots, so the only downside of leaving them in a pot is that the cold could get yeah. to the root ball in the pot. So, yeah. what would you do? You'd do I, it now, I, wouldn't I'd you? I'd do it now. I'd, I'd plant them now. I'd do everything <laughs> we like to differ, in the moment. We? I'm a in-the-moment gardener. I went through the garden, at, uh, was it Wednesday, my day off, and I did trim back some of the salvias that was in there um, as well because they can get spindly, they whippy. Do, yeah. And if you get a lot, bit of snow, <laughs> winter's coming, but I get a bit of snow on them, they it can split and, and it can damage them. You don't want to hard prune them because you, you don't want to encourage new growth. But a heavy deadheading... I would say, you know, shear across just below flowering spikes to t- protect them, and why not plant them? Sunny aspect, particularly? They like sun, and they don't like sitting in wet, so make sure it's it's nice, good draining area, um, because that will sort of kill them if they and get just, too wet. just mix a bit of compost in the soil. Don't dump them in a hole with compost. No, <laughs> mix it with what you take out, but um, plant them. If it is heavy, you could always just raise that bit of ground with the compost and what you're putting back in and just lift them just slightly above the average level and that would just stop them sitting in water. Does that yes, help you, Sheila? Well, yes, except that um, they're, the flowers at the, are at the end of each spike, I mean, they're about two foot high yeah. and um, I want to cut them down a little bit more. You could probably take a third. If you take a third of uh, the plant yes. off, okay. that would be where I'd probably go. So just below where it's been flowering. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yes, thanks very much. Pleasure. They, and we were saying, haven't salvias changed the world of gardening? <laughs> they come on, in, haven't they? they incredible. Come on. They're no and longer the little bedding plant anymore, are they? No way. <laughs> they really are well worth having in your garden, particularly the lips. Yeah, uh, hot lips. Hot lips is, is and all the, those. the first to it. But, uh, but if you look at those ones... Um, People said they weren't hardy. They grow into largest bushes. If yeah. you put them in a herbaceous border in the middle, yeah. they actually can grow three, four foot high, can't yeah. they? Our, our one in the garden's at least three foot. Lovely. Excellent. Well worth growing. Let's talk to Bella in Southminster. Hello, Bella. Hi. Hello, what there. We, what can we do? Right, I've got some bedding begonias, the big double ones, in some troughs in the garden. They're still in full flower. I'm just wondering if I can dig them up and... Put them in the greenhouse over winter. Will they be any good for next year? Uh, they will. They should be if they're. Um, when you say bedding, are these seed raised? I don't do know. I bought them already as plants. 
And small um, single flowers or big flowers? No, double. big double ones. Big, big double ones. They'll, be, they'll yeah. be tubers, won't they? You should they? have the, yeah, or corms, sort of looks like an overgrown... And fur, a cement of corms, Furry raisin underneath there. Um, the only thing sometimes, um, and people I've seen information going through of people that grow these for show, and that they want them to start dying down naturally before they will lift them out of the soil. So I would, if are they in the ground, your plants, or in pots? In pots. In pots. I would just tend to take the pots into the greenhouse cut out watering yeah. and then as the, the light levels will shrink you'll see them yellow and start looking They'll like they're off, they? on the way down yeah and then you lift them once they're sort of they're going oh. backwards basically if you if you do it when they're still very green and fresh um sometimes they don't keep that well you can sometimes damage it's basically you're tam- damaging the corn aren't yeah you, in it's the, the eyes for next year and yeah. that's they're going to come from mm. where the old stems were okay oh. is that all right well, bella yeah, well, the trouble then, is the pot's too big to lift. So. No, OK, right. well, look, <clears throat> it's not watch for frost. Yeah. They have yeah. said it's going to go colder next week. I don't know how cold. Uh, watch for frost. If they're starting to go yellow and dying, just touch them lightly, lift the whole plant out, yeah. lift the plant yeah. with the corn, with a trowel, put a trowel all the way round, and then take yeah. that in. Away yeah. from you could always do like people do with yeah. geraniums, where they just yeah. sort of lift them up, clump them into a tray, and just let them sort of finish off in that way. Oh, I know that, yeah. that'd be easier lovely. for you, wouldn't it, Bella? Yes, lovely. And then yes, store them lovely. dry and frost free. That's all we got to do. Easy as that. Okay, lovely. Thank you. Bye there. Bye. And that's Bella from Southminster. And we go to Dorothy from Tolshant Darcy. Hello, Dorothy. Ah, oh, good morning, all. Um, it's about my blues spruce. I have a beautiful blue spruce in our garden and it's about 10 foot high now. We really don't want it to grow any higher because we light it up for Christmas and is there any way to stop it? (laughs) The real answer is no. (laughs) We both said it together there. No. Um, It can be done but it's a a real fiddle. Um, The only way to slow them down is is really by Reg- regular pruning. Yeah, regular pruning. And that's normally done in the summer. Every year. Every year. So it's something you do year on year. We see these fantastic Christmas trees that are nice and dense and not too wide. And they've been trimmed normally about June, July time, every year in the field. Um, you can remove a top and then try and train a new leader, but you will end up with a... Two or three sometimes. Two or three, you? you've got to pick one, and it might upset the balance of the tree, and it might look a little bit a bit, bit big-bottomed um, because the sides will continue to grow while you're uh, doing oh, the top. How do I trim, trim, when right. you say trim? You take back all that, where you get new growth coming out, yeah. you just trim that back, and what happens then, it goes sideways. It, it'll produce side branches and thicken. But you can't go too close, no. too hard in because you'll ruin it completely. It's something that the growers do year on year yeah. from from literally the day one that the plant goes in the ground. So that they're just adding bits each year. Um, it's, you can't. It's not like a shrub where you can go hard in, shape it, and start again. Um, so I, I think it might be time to buy yourself a new blue spruce, plant that one in the garden, um, and start again and or enjoy go, it. Or as go a big over tree. it really carefully, Dorothy. Thank you very much indeed. But be careful because you'll ruin the show. Let someone stand behind you. Two of you do it yeah. is best. Someone stand behind and the other person just gently cut and say, should I take that bit? And you hold it in your hand 
cut it only if that person says yes you won't ruin the shape you should right? film it it'll be quite fun when it left yeah. a bit right a bit <laughs> all right uh, thank you pleasure bye don't forget that number to call is 0800 That's the phone number. And you can text us, 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. Come straight on the screen here and we can answer you straight away. Let's go to Alan in Hoddesdon. Oh, Alan, good morning to you. you've got a good story for us, haven't you, Alan? Yeah, I have. And I've got a question about dahlias after, please. OK. Right, um, well, um, I planted earlies uh, at the beginning of the season and I dug them up about two months ago. OK. We're talking, day- we're talking dahlias. Day- potatoes. 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 I replanted the original tubers and yeah. last week I dug up about eight pounds of potatoes from that second sowing. That's good going. The only yeah. thing, the only thing you can say is you have to be careful because of disease. That's yeah. all. Right. If, if what anyway, you lift to clean, perfect, that's fine. I'm quite happy with the second sign. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you've done well, but it's just we must say, you know, when we're answering a question, we've got to say that really the problem is that you can spread disease in that way. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right, now the dahlia, uh, we've got a lot of um, sort of mildew on the leaves and the stems on our dahlia. What uh, what should we do? They've got a lot of flowers on still. Can we leave them in and just wait for the frost to kill them off? Um, I wouldn't wait for the frost now. We're getting into November. Especially if it's mildew. Um, yeah, the mildew's there. I haven't done mine yet, but I will be starting next week cutting them down. Um, and I will just cut them down. You can leave it in, but just chop it down to about 12 inches probably. Um, and then put a bit of mulch around the top of that and then just leave it for the for the winter. If you want to lift them, you can lift them at that time, but leaving it in the ground, down to 12 inches, and cover You won't lose much in the way of flour. Just cut them off and put them in the vase that you've got now because there won't be much more, more to come. OK, thank you very much. Let's look at plant of the week. Prunus sabatella autumnalis. Why is it autumnalis? Because it flowers through the winter from now on. It's a beautiful winter flowering cherry. It's a small deciduous tree, comes from Japan, generally grown mainly for the ability of flowering any time from now right through until spring. Um, white to pink flowers, 1.5 centimetres across, um, and it ends up with a small black fruit. I mean, the fruit is in in, not very important at all, but it does have a little fruit. The nice thing about it is that in the autumn, cherries go a sort of um, coppery colour, quite an attractive sort of colour, um, and look good in the garden. So you get that, and then you get the flower through the winter period. In fact, there's a lot flowering already. I think plants are totally confused this year anyway. The good thing about it as well is you can plant it absolutely anywhere. It's not too large. Four to sort of four to eight metres high. But generally you see them and they're about five metres high. Um, Similar sort of width, four metres wide. Give them a bit of space. Any soil, a great, good, colourful tree to have in your garden that's not too big. And out of interest, there's one in Japan that they reckon is a thousand years old. And if you're into bringing pieces into the house to make them flower, well, I'll tell you what, it's a great one for doing that as well. Pick them just before Christmas and they'll flower through the Christmas period. They are. What a great plant to pop in your garden. 
Hello, Alan. Hello. Good morning, Ken and Dave. Morning. Um, I've got a 30-year-old fig houseplant in, mm-hmm. uh, in the corner of the, the front room here. It's looking a bit um, uh, obviously tired and worn out, like myself. Uh, but um, it's got black spots on all the stems. Is this a is this a small leaf fi- rubber plant? Yes, or it is, is, and it's about the same metre high. Ficus. So, so it's Benjamin, probably. Isn't it? Yes. Um, and the black but, spots are hundreds and hundreds of tiny spots on the on the branches. And it, sound, it sounds like if it was a uh, if it was outside, I'd say little scale insect. Um, don't get too much scale insect indoors mm. unless it's crept in there. At some is there point any, in the thirty years? Is there anything on the stems that you can identify or? No, it's it's uh, it's hundreds and hundreds of leaves. There's only one leaf that's got spots on it, by the way. Yeah. It's still growing fine. Um, I've repotted it and uh, see what happens. But when you one of, when you put pressure on them, do they do they pop? Do they crumble? Or no, they, nothing like that. Hard? No, it's just all these black spots on the on the actual, you know, stems. Would you yeah. spray it at all? With you could spray it for. Um, Fungicide. fungicide. Yeah, it doesn't. It sound... could be a black fungus. Yeah, couldn't it could be a mold. Yes, a black spot fungus. Yeah, it's worth trying that. If if they pop, if they're not hard or they don't, you know, just rub off. They're um, tiny. They're tiny. They're minute. Oh right. Oh, well, it's it could be a, it's almost like sooty mold, isn't it, on the mm. stem? So yes, I would, I... yeah, try try a fungicide. Yeah, um, doesn't but really matter do if it's outside, indoor or outdoor you? as far as what you're using, but. Take it outside to spray, spray it. it, let it dry, and bring it back in. You can do it, you know, should don't take it out. What do you think? Well, the oh. plant, as long as you look after it. <laughs> oh, look, I mean, if you've repotted it and you're feeding yeah. it on a regular basis, it yeah. could, they can live for years yeah. and years. It could grow as high as your ceiling. Every no problem again, at all. Prune it down and refresh yeah. it and carry on, yeah. I've tried talking to it, but I think it's deaf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, one give it a drink with fungicide. Sorry. Yeah. One, one other quick one. Yes, certainly. Goodberry bush. Yeah. I had a, a goodberry bush this year. How long do they take before they fruit? Um, they often. I mean, we get them fruiting in the pots, you know, on the plant benches at, at work. So, quite often they will fruit. Depends on the on the age of the plant when you buy it. Um, we, we tend to sell a, a multi-branched plant yeah. rather than a whip. Yeah. Um, but if it didn't fruit this year and it's growing, there's no reason why it then wouldn't fruit going into next year. Thank you. OK. All right. I'll try all those things you've mentioned. Thank you very much. That's okay. a pleasure. That's what we're here for on 0800 4041. Just a text in from Maureen. She says, Morning, should I dig up my salvia micophylla La Mancha? La Mancha? La Mancha. La Mancha, I think. La Marche, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. Why? <laughs> and her Monrovia and put them under cover for the winter. They're not 100% hardy no. either of them, no. are they? Um, but I tend, uh, it depends risk. how many years, how long it's been there. And I think sometimes, as long as they don't sit wet. Oh, she's perched them this year. So they're fresh. I'd chance it. I'd, I'd chance them in the ground. But mulch I would just around mulch them. around and, and just a bit of fleece to hand because sometimes the lifting and moving does them more harm than yeah, yeah we don't know what winter we're going to get no. but um, I, me I'd leave him Jeff Hodge who's scared to ever predict a bad winter now because <laughs> he got it totally wrong a few years back he says the source that he originally got it from says it's going to be a hard winter but who knows yes anyone yes. out there got goats 
If you've got goats, check whether they've got fur on their udders. That will tell you whether it's going to be a hard winter. <laughs> That's the way to tell. Let's go back to the phones here on BBC Essex and talk to Peter in Chelmsford. Hello, Peter. Uh, good morning. How are you? Very good. Yeah. We're fine. And um, what, are you, what are we talking about today with your roses? Oh, my roses. Yes, what's up with them? Well, uh, I don't normally... I normally trim them right down, you know. Um... Not this time, though. I normally do it later on in the year, about December, November. But they're looking a bit sad, actually. All right. I, I so don't know where in... to cut them right down now. Well, we'll cut... No. Not right down? No. Um, no. Normally, this time of the year, you might take perhaps a third off um, right. just to stop them rocking and being damaged in, in, in the weather. Um, yeah, because I've, I've still got blooms on the front in the front of my house, but the ones at the back look really sad. Well, no blooms just... on them, but the um, the leaves are, you know, look really sad. Uh, I think if we thought years ago that we was going to have all these roses flowering in nearly November, I know. We'd, be, right, we'd yeah. be over the moon, wouldn't we? And, and now we're fighting <laughs> yeah. to prune them because we might have a flower on it. I know, but, but um, I mean, I mean, last year we had them up until December. Yeah, but leaves falling off doesn't matter at all. <laughs> No, they're not falling off. off. They're a discolour, like they're they're they colour. It's autumn. Yeah, that's what happens. That's Don't what worry. That's what they're doing no. just to, to to fall off. So you could just lightly prune them, take out anything that's really old, um, yeah. just tidy them up, um, and then probably uh, for me, I tend to do it end of February, hard prune down, good feed, and then whoosh off they go again for the next year. But if you hard do yeah, it now, I normally do that about that time, and they come up lovely every yeah. year. They come up beautiful, but. but you don't want to yeah, do that now because they, you know, could they get really hit. look sad. <laughs> Take a do what Dave said, third off only, and then Lovely. prune them later on in the year, maybe the spring. Yeah. All right? Lovely job. Okay, thanks very much. And Peter can come back to us in the spring and ask us what we, how low we <laughs> cut them then. But we'll go to Valerie in Thundersley. Hello, Valerie. Hello, Ken. Uh, yes, I've got somebody gave me a Daphne. Yeah. And uh, my gardener has put it in. I don't know anything about him. Somebody gave it to him in a pot, and he's actually planted it for me. Um, and I was told it's highly perfumed, which is lovely, because I'm totally blind. Right. And I, I'd like to know, please, when does it bloom? What's can, the year? Can I ask you, do you know whether it's the evergreen, Daphne? I have no idea. I know. I know. You said you can't see it. I didn't know whether it, you know you knew whether it it was or not. I don't know. Okay. Well, let's just deal with it as if it's a Daphne in general. So a they general tend Daphne. to be late spring. So on average, <laughs> depends <laughs> on which one. It, if it, the Missourian, which is the one that loses its leaves, um, I don't know. It was only in a tends to flower part. I don't earlier. know whether it was a cutting from one or what. I don't and, honestly and has know. It been, has it been... It's been planted? Yeah. Yeah, well, you just need to check when the gardener's guy's next in that it need. Does it need acid or... It's not as fussy, but it's, it needs it's a, a good compost, line, A good it? compost, and, and it just... Young Daphne's, and, and they're very expensive to, to buy because they're a real pain when they're young. They don't always go from one year to the next when they're a young plant, um, oh. and there's a lot of wastage in there. So hopefully... I know it's you, growing, you, you plant, right, because when he comes, he comes to me once a fortnight... Yeah. And he said, it's growing lovely. He said, but uh, even he doesn't know anything about it. No, I mean, no, the thing is that when he's only just planted it, hasn't he? 
planted it earlier this year. In yeah, the it's his first year and winter is the difficult one to go through. And it, it, hopefully it's not too exposed because yeah. they don't like an exposed no, it's position. Um, it's just looking after it and being gentle around it. Don't dig around it, don't yeah. hoe too close they to it. Like too much disturbance once they're in. Once they're established, they're, they're like most plants, bulletproof. But a little bit of care early on. Um, but I would expect you, you know, mid late spring perhaps about april may you might yeah. see some flower but without knowing the variety it, it <laughs> makes it a little bit harder but that's the time to expect the flower and the perfect oh, so so start it's, it's start sniffing time. from march and see what happens yeah okay yeah. valerie <laughs> that is lovely thank you yeah because i want to go and have a smell if it comes <laughs> <in> blue. <laughs> okay then oh lovely best, thank you best of luck with your daphne and uh, that's from valerie don't forget you can give us a call on 0800 triple one forty forty one. that's the number to call and we go back to barbara in canvey island the island in the sun that's so, me yeah that's you and you're sunny as well aren't you barbara I am very sunny. Good, yes. good, good. What's the question then for us well, today? Well, the question is, my lawn is covered in either mushrooms or toadstools. It's a great year for mushrooms and toadstools get this bacon, year. Get the bacon out. Well, they're all white. Yes. And that some are about six, six inches wide. Oh, you've got some whoppers there. <laughs> I have. Now, what do I do with them? Um, don't eat them unless you know no, someone that can identify not, them. No. Um, you're you're just one of many. I'm getting this. It's a great year. Yeah, all, all last couple of weeks, I think at work, everyone. Super. Oh, mushrooms, mushrooms, mushrooms. It's just the perfect conditions for them. The spores are always there. This time of year, nice and damp. Um, the spores are coming. There isn't anything really you can do. Just perhaps pick them off. Um, they because they make a mess if you mow the lawn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It saves you chopping them if you're going to fry them. But um, just pick them off. And they will go when the conditions are less idyllic for the, for growth. But generally, they're not causing any harm. It's not something... They're just there doing what they do. But they're so strange, it's in a circle. That oh. sounds like a fairy. So the pixies have been. It could be. The <laughs> fairies have been. The fairies have been, been and left you some mushrooms. Yes, um, yeah. No, I wanted to know if there was a spray or do I dig them up or just leave them? It's, right. it's a grass it sounds like a life. fairy ring, yeah, it doesn't does. it? Is the grass that alive where the mushrooms are? Yes. Hmm. Well, either way, there's not a lot you can do. No. Come back. <laughs> I tell you what, Sue. You can't do anything with them. Keep mowing the keep mowing the lawn yeah. at this time of year. Don't stop. Nobody should stop mowing at this time of no, year, even though no. it's a bit damp, but not too short. Get rid of the mushrooms by picking them off first. Right. In the spring, when the grass mm. starts to grow. If there's dead patches in the ring, mm. give us another call and we'll talk it through with you. Okay. Is that all right? That's fine. Yes, okay. Okay, best of luck yeah. with your mushrooms. Right. Bye. <laughs> Bye there. And uh, that was Barbara in Canby Island, 0800 4041. And we go to Sue in Rowhedge. Hello, Sue. Hello, Ken. Um, problem. <laughs> we have a, a red barn, no, sorry, a red log uh, indoor plant I was given as a Christmas present last year. Mm. Uh, by the spring, it got a little bit out of control, so we trimmed it all up. But now I'm finding it's got loads of tentacles coming out from the top. Is this normal? Uh, somebody tells me that it will come to flower, but I don't know. Did you say it's an indoor palm? Yeah, it's an indoor 
plant called a red log. Red I don't log. know the proper name for it. It's green, what? its its stems are red, um, and they're very small uh, green leaves. But as I say, it's the tops of it. Any flower? No, no flower at all. Quite often when these plants start throwing out what you call them tentacles, they're, they're effectively... I'm not sure. Has it got small, sorry, small green leaves, did you say? Yeah, very small oh, no, green leaves. Um, but, well, Does it trail of, or upright? It's upright, and, and by the spring it had gone a bit too bushy and out of control, so we yeah. shaped it a bit more. Yeah. Um, but now, as I say, all these tentacles have arrived, and I <laughs> took a photograph, took it to work to show the girl who had bought it for me, and she said, oh, that's all right, that, all those tentacles will become flowers, but... I can't see that there will be flowers because it could there's be. no... It could do. They, they yeah. could do. You I... need to send me a picture. Yeah. OK. <laughs> They're either, they, they could be flowers, but I don't know the plant to know whether they would, or they could just be aerial roots that are forming off the stem, and quite often when you prune something, it, it creates a yes. a jerk reaction. It goes, oh, you know, I've been attacked, I'm going to uh, do this, and I'm going to root. But are, you, are, you an, are you an email person? Am I? Sorry? Do you use email? Uh, I, I can do, I can do. Well, if you could take a picture and send it by email to us, we could have a look for you. Yeah, I will do, lovely. Because I was wondering if it was... It doesn't look like what I call a spider plant, but you know when spider plants yeah. sort of grow and then they grow like a baby, don't they? they? That's what you were saying, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if it, if it's going to be like that, but it's, it's, it's every stem. Every stem <coughs> has, um, has produced these... Send it... Send us a picture <laughs> if you can. It's Ken dot Crowther. Ken dot Crowther at BBC. At BBC. dot co dot uk. We'll be back to your questions in just a little while. But here on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we're lucky because we got Dave Gillam in the studio. So I think the most appropriate thing to discuss, Dave. It's dahlia, what do you reckon? <laughs> Why not? Makes so what do you do this time of the year with your dahlias? Well, it's quite key now because the dahlias, although they're still flowering, I mean, I cut mine down in the garden, not the show plots. I've done that this week. Can we wait, though, till the frost? You can wait, but I tend to think once we're through October and into November, they're not growing. They might have the odd flower on them, but they're not growing. And we've had a lot of rain, and that ground will lay wet, and sometimes if they're not ah, growing, they the can tubers. start deteriorating. So okay. I, I tend to leave them, leave them lovely. If we get a frost end of October, perfect. But once we're into November, for me, it's time to get them out of the ground. The tubers are swollen through September and October, and they're ready and ripe for lifting. Have you got to be careful when you lift them? Because if they're in, a say, a heavy clay soil, which we've got a lot in yes, Essex, it's got to be a bit careful, haven't we? We have. I mean, they'd say to use a fork. Most people use a fork, but I think on clay soils, I use a spade. Yeah. Um, one, if it's a bit like potatoes, and if you're going to spike them, you know, don't know you've spiked it, stabbed it. And sometimes with a fork, you, you lift it and you leave tubers behind because they're stuck in the clay. With a spade, I just cut around the tuber, leaving plenty of space, and then lift it as a clump, soil and all. And that way you can then just bounce it on the spade a few times, but work the clay around to expose the crown of the tuber so that it doesn't sit wet. bit of soil on it doesn't really matter in the, in the heart of the tuber. It's where the tubers meet the stem, and it's a stem that rots, so we've just got to clear that area away. If you're not ready to lift them all, you can just cut them down, go down to a foot, just to stop the wind, 
rocking the plant and damaging the tuber and then work your way through lifting them later. But I tend to use a spade and cut them down first. Now, a lot of people wash them off completely with a hose. Yeah. Is that necessary? You've just said it doesn't matter if there's clay on the tuber. No, I think sometimes if you wash them, you're adding more moisture to, yep. to, to, yep. to the tuber or certainly to the stem, and it's the stem that will rot. So I tend to just shake the, the most off, get in there and just sort of pull any clumps. But if it's bits internal, doesn't matter, leave it, pop it in the greenhouse upside down and let that dry out naturally and it'll just fall out. Now, if you haven't got a greenhouse shed, does it matter because they don't need light, do they? No, it's just frost-free, preferably with a bit of airflow. Yeah. So if it's a nice bright day, open the door, open a window just to get some air movement through because otherwise botrytis and mould will form on that sort of dying stem. Is there anything else we should think about when we're lifting them though? Labels. Ah, labels. <laughs> the phantom label. Label it while there's flowers on the plant. So do that before you chop it down, before you do anything, because while there's a flower, even if you don't know what it's called, you can the write colour. yellow, tall, short, large, small, something that makes you know what that is, because come February, when you might start waking them up, you won't know what that was looking at this sort of clump of tubers. So get the label on, tie it to the stem of the plant, low down, so it stays with a tuber all the way through the process. And it can stay upside down all the winter like that, or yeah. do you then collect them separately? No, I tend to turn them upside down, give them a few weeks yeah. upside down, and make sure that soil then is dry, and you can just wiggle that soil out, and then turn them the right way up, because then you get maximum airflow at that stem joint to the tubers, so that doesn't rot. So hollow stems tend to be upside down, empty the water. Put them in a tray then. In a tray, and then flick them over a couple of three weeks later, and then just keep the air movement. I don't wrap them up in, in cotton wool or peat or soil or anything. Just leave them dry. Open. Open and dry. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, Michael. Hello, hello. Um, pear tree cuttings, which I put in last Monday. Yes. Um, I've done everything that I've read online about the preparation and the um, putting them in whatever, um, drainage and everything. Is there anything you can feed them with? No. No. I mean, any cutting, until it's got roots... You can't do anything. You can't. you, you just got to let it grow, produce yeah. roots, and let it grow. But I'm why, interested in why you're... Why right. are you taking pear tree cuttings? Well, because the bloke next door had a pear tree. <laughs> and you wanted some. I, I would just, it's something, I I thought about, about buying a bare-rooted pear tree. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, I don't know, before, I don't know whether I could um, root a bare tree this time of the year, um, put it in. So I thought between now and the spring, I thought I'd try um Yes, because you see, most, most fruit trees are all grafted. Yeah. They're grafted onto a rootstock. Yeah. So I don't know like whether roses, you're going to be very successful, quite honestly. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to sort of um, not get upset about it. But, um, <laughs> okay, I've um, done five of them. Yeah, and they all look slightly indifferent to one another. The leaves are obviously they'll fall off anyway, won't they? Yeah. Well, they will do eventually. No, it's they'll fall off now because it's autumn. Yeah. Right. Um, well, at the moment they're still on there. Yep. Yeah. Um, five days later, and yeah, they, they look will. quite healthy. 
will for a while, but they would come off. You just got to. It's one of those. You've Got to sit back, leave them to it at least a year. And if 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 they start making growth, I wouldn't then start lifting them because quite often hardwood no. cut stems can start growing before they've got roots because it's just like being a cut flower in water. Um, right. So okay. make sure that they're properly, you know, rooted and established. So it is probably going to be a year down the line before you'd think about separating, lifting them, and growing them on. Um, but it's just a sit back and wait job, um, and you might have a pair. But the problem is, you don't know whether with all fruit trees, they're quite often on restricting rootstock to restrict the size of the plant. Um, so you don't really know what size you're going to end up. It may well be a different beast to the one that you took it off. Right. What about this thing that I read online? After three to four weeks, you can actually test whether they are rooting. I, I don't know. Who's, I hate to. Stuff. I hate to say. I don't know who's writing this stuff online, <laughs> but you don't always believe I mean, what's from online. America, so it might have something to do with. Trump well, I, I would not believe it if seriously. You can get roots on a pear cutting in three weeks, and then even you, in I'm America, just wondering, you're <laughs> I'm just wondering what I read. Is, no, um, don't don't read any more of that one because <laughs> it won't be true at all. It'll take all winter. Come and back to us next spring, and we'll discuss it further with you. How about that, Michael? Good idea. Yes. That's good, but in the meantime, between Me? now and then, would I buy a bare-rooted tree? Then I would, <laughs> and and um, install it now. Yes, good right time now. To plant, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you can tub? get okay. Yeah, you can put them in tubs, but see that the tub is big enough. You need at least what twenty-four, thirty inches. Yeah, I mean, you, you could grow it in a tub for the for the initial bit, and then plant in the garden, or um, keep, just or to buy establish, a mini- or buy a miniature pear tree and grow it in the tub. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. the tub needs to be about the size of a dustbin then. Well, at least two foot across. Yeah, two foot across. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. It doesn't have to be, you know, dustbin depth. <laughs> That'd be very big. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you. Keep us in touch, Michael. We want to hear how those pear tree cuttings. The the actually internet, although you know, it it's good. It um. There's a wealth of information <clears throat> as long as you know how to decipher it. Because a lot of <laughs> because yes, because a lot of it is. Is is not good. <laughs> no, bloke down the road could write how to grow some dahlias as an yeah. example, and he's never grown a dahlia in his life. No, and so it could just be picked up on. It's having it? that base knowledge to be able to yeah. pick the bits that are relevant for what you need. Anyway, a nice note talking the internet from Karen, who lives in New England in the US. She grew up in um, Central Africa. Both parents were avid gardeners. Uh, she picks us up now. She's uh, a lot of information she has found really helpful to her in her garden in Massachusetts. So they are. And she's introduced her nine-year-old granddaughter to many of our ideas and methods. Keep them going. There you go, you see. Internet, internet. <laughs> that's <laughs> so the good can... side of the internet. That's the good side of the internet, <laughs> of course. To us. Now, that's Heather now from Waltham Abbey, a bit more local, aren't you, Heather? Yeah. Uh, hello, Ken. Hi. Um, I just heard the lady who rang in about her spider plant. Yes. Well, mine has done exactly the same. It's had, I think it's, it's either six or seven of these stems have grown up. Yes. And on the end, they look as if they could be little tiny plants growing, but at intervals along, you do get little tiny, very pretty white flowers. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, so you've got a spider plant. Which is we, chlorophytum, wasn't it? Yeah, we don't think the other one was probably a spider plant. It was something else. But um, we think it might be doing what spider plants tend to do. In fact, yeah. Zena... Okay, in... I, mean, well, I mean, I bought this as a spider plant. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's and what they it, do. And it looks exactly like the spider. But, I mean, I used to have them for years when I was teaching. I had about half a dozen in my yeah. classroom. Yeah. And I have never, ever seen one do this before. Oh, they, they, that's so what they you do. Can take a bit like off. a strawberry. You know, they throw out this runner and you can take them off or you can just pop them in the top of a little pot. Once they've got some roots and growing, cut the stem yeah. and you've got another plant. I mean, there are so many, and on each one of these stems, there's at least half a dozen or more of these little tiny plants coming. Yeah, that's right. they'll do that. Yeah. yeah. You can set appeal. up a, sto- a stool. A spider plant stool. <laughs> spider plant. <laughs> yeah. That's why they're no. great for kids, because they, they, they're, they're bulletproof fun. and they're yeah. fun and they, they I, do everything you I've want them to. Them, I mean, I can remember before, you'd have a stem would come up, and just a single spider, a new spider plant, would grow on the end of a stem. Yeah, sometimes you get them intermediate as well. Yeah. But I, mean, I, have, I mean, I have never, ever in... Well, I mean, I've been retired now for 21 years, so uh, it was a long while ago when I was teaching. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I have never, ever seen a spider plant do this before. Right. But it, it's very pretty. Enjoy and start your spider plant nursery. <laughs> talking of talking of which, we were talking about that plant, and um, Zena in Whittam says it's a Peperonia verticera, vertiserica, peperomia. Now peperomias, I'm just saying peperomia sends out. I thought a, a stem with a like a little imitation maze on the end, doesn't it? A peperomia might be what that yeah. what it's forming. Well, that's Zena in Whitton. That's one to look up anyway. See, another check, plant. Check that to the picture when we get yeah. one. <laughs> uh, let's go to George from Basildon. What would you like to know about your lawn, George? Uh, well, I've just reseeded it, and it's, it's growing lovely. Beautiful. Uh, but so the weeds. Yeah. Is, yep. is it wise to put any uh, any roots on it at this stage? We'll both, we'll both say it together, we'll shall we? No. No. <laughs> no. Um, you'll find, and it's the same with the evergreen completes and the, the, the all the other lawn foods, especially granular ones that have any weed killer or moss control. They generally say on there not to be used on a lawn that is less than one year old. Right. Um, because the grass is young the the chemicals will have an effect on young grass and you yeah. certainly wouldn't use a lawn weed killer um, uh, okay. on, on uh, young uh, fresh grass well, when, when should I start cutting here uh, just just start cutting just to set the blades up high and just yeah. keep cutting and you'll find that weeds that are growing in a seabed of a lawn aren't naturally lawn weeds and regular cutting they will perish themselves All right, thank you very much Okay. Okay, thank you. And, and this year, it's been a great time for seeding because seed's really looking good, isn't bit, it? A bit of warmth and plenty yeah. of wet. And <laughs> there's still warmth in the ground. Yeah. As long as we don't get too much cold weather, we it'll, I mean, they, you could keep going, couldn't they you? They reckon below 10 degrees, 10 degrees soil temperature, and if it's growing conditions below that, plants slow down, and we're still above 10. Well above, well above indeed. Um, well, I did mention these... Uh, it's Jean from Holbridge. And what do you have for us, Jean? Hello. I, I heard you say about goats in yes, cold weather. I did. Can you ask anybody, somebody if they've got goats? Can yes. they have a look and then let you know? And That's then right. Tell us? I did indeed. You will? <laughs> yes. So oh. have you got goats? No, I wouldn't mind, but I haven't got a room to... Oh, I them. see. We're trying to find... So- yes, someone we're trying to goat. find someone with goats to know yes. whether they got fur on their udders. That's, That's what we... That's right. Yes. And can oh. they let you know? Yes. Then we know 
We'll know whether it's going to... Get the best out. <laughs> that's get the right. Out. Get the thermals out if the goats have already got their thermals out. Is that right, Jean? Yes, please. Well, come on, people. You must have a... There must be somebody out there that's got goats, surely, that can let us know. Yes. <laughs> I think it has to be a female goat. I suggest it would be a female goat because it's the udder that's that important. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you, Jean, for your call. Um, got um, Jackie says we have a hedge line of Lalandi that is slowly but surely turning brown, looking very dry, spreading down the line. Any ideas? Spreading down the line is not a good. No, that could be. Um, it depends. If it's at could the be root, a root problem at the it? root, or whether it's an infestation of something like conifer aphid that is moving its way down. A bit as late well. for spraying that, isn't it? it now, is, yeah, and it's probably, is it worth trying now or wait till spring? I think you're unlikely to for it to spread any further now because the cooler weather coming in will. So would you try aphid, aphid first? I would go aphid first because it's the only one you're more likely about control. Because if it's at the root. And you've got something like a uh, phytophthora or something going through. Go right through the whole lot. Go right through, and there's nothing you can do. So better to try the things that may be preventable. And if you, if it stops it, then at least you know you've, you're on the on the right track. And that's for Jackie. Um, so Jackie, hopefully that's helped. Try the first first thing in the spring. A good. Aphicide. Yeah. What would you use? Ultra resolver. There's loads of them, aren't there? Look out for one of those. Give it a spray on a regular basis. See if that slows it down. Give it a good feed. Keep it moist at the base in the spring, not now. And And I would say, Kim, with these, if you use a uh, concentrate, if you buy the concentrate rather than the ready to use, on the packs it does have different concentrations that that you can mix it. Where the and the one in the RTU as we call them in the Ready, ready to, to use, use um, tends to always be mixed at the lower end of the concentration. So, buy the ready to use. Get yourself a sprayer. It's cheaper than buying the lots of expensive watering bottles. And this is a retailer talking. <laughs> yeah. A retailer. He and sells you can it in his garden. Make it at a concentration that will do the job. It's interesting because I I hadn't realised that. <laughs> and in fact, I was mixing the other day for uh, not the other day, but a few weeks ago for. Um, a buck, a box Buxus, no oh, Buxus caterpillar. caterpillar. Yeah, and I didn't realise that that actually has three levels, doesn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. you should put it in there. Quite often, it's in the bit that you peel off the back that no one knows that you peel right. it off the back. Yeah. <laughs> but at least it gives you the it choice. Does. And things like conifer, as you say, box caterpillar, some of the more <coughs> problem ones, you need a stronger mm. dose. And the interesting one is that box caterpillar, which everybody is sort of. Said, it is a problem. Oh, yeah. uh, a couple of gardens are, we you know keep an eye on that um, actually have nearly, nearly, they won't have eliminated it, no. but it's a lot, lot better. And yeah. they've got new growth coming. And you can actually sort it out, can't you? I think that there's a fear of box blight and box caterpillar. And I think people f- confuse the two. And although the stri- leaves get stripped off, it's only the leaves. And they generally back. will come back. If you can get rid of the caterpillar. If you can get rid of the caterpillar. But and I that's think hard work. Seeing the caterpillar damage, pulling them all out, and actually there's no need to. It's only no. blight. If you get box blight, you're you're in trouble. Box caterpillar, it's just a pest. Let's uh, talk to Jenny in Eastwood and then we'll go to the travel. So Jenny, raspberries. Good morning, yes. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Um, right, I've got, um, I planted a couple of raspberry bushes um, in a large container 
earlier this year. They were a late, a late fruiting one. I think it's, is it autumn gold autumn or something bliss like that? Or... Autumn something or other. It yeah. might be bliss. Um, and I put me saying in quite a large tub, and I've only had a fairly small crop, but I'm not surprised because it's only the first year. Mm-hmm. But they've grown so tall. They're about five foot now. Um, what should I be doing with them? The, you know, the fruit's finished. And there's um, a few, few sort of like suckers or, or new bits coming out from the, from the base. It should be, in theory, then that the, the, the growth that has come this year that hasn't fruited should be what's going to fruit next year. But new, with the, the autumn shoot. ones, you can yeah. almost get... As I've done it where you, you just sort of chop them back a bit and you get some fresh shoots off the old fruiting stems and they fruit again. Um, so, so these ones are about five foot. I could, I could cut them down? You could probably halve them. Halve them? Have I got to go look for leaf pears or any particular... No, just, it's a raspberry. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a bit ignorant on this. I'm sorry. I just know what to do. No, that's all right. You just, I'll just half the, the half from about older five stems to about two and, a half and see what you get coming up. In a pot, you're almost going to end up turning it into a bush that's going through. Right, and the new ones. Just leave the new ones alone that are coming, leave but just cut the old alone. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Can I be very cheeky and just ask another question? I only caught the tail end. You were talking about box um, shrubs a yes. minute ago. Besides, my radio turned down, so I couldn't hear it all. Um, I'm for, on behalf of my daughter, she's got about five of these put in little separate tubs just sort of standing on the front of her, her patio, and they're turning brown, some of them. I didn't notice. If, Might I be lack of water if they're in lack, tubs. Yeah, lack of water or feed. Oh, so give them a good, um, I wouldn't use high nitrogen this time of year, but a handful of blueffish and bone or something like that, or grow more on the top so of the you think it's more likely to be lack of water in miles than any water sort of Water and food disease. than disease. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's have a final look at the tip that Dave Gillam's got for us this week. And I said we were talking dahlias, so are we going to continue on dahlias? We are. Um, normally when you go into but decide you're going to buy some dahlias, it's it's spring, February, March, and you go into the garden centre and you see all these lovely Dutch packets of pretty pictures on the front sitting there in the garden centre and when you look behind a packet you get scared by this sort of fat spider looking thing that's sitting in the packet which is generally a Dutch tuber, a field tuber. In the show world now, well, we probably call those pot tubers but they are grown in the in the field, they're just grown close together because a, a, a show tuber from a plant that's been grown well would probably be about 12 inches across. As big as that? Yeah, big old chunks and you're not going to put them in a plastic bag and hang them on a on a hook in a garden centre. But now is the time, because people like myself, I'm going to start lifting. I grow 40 plants of each variety. I don't need 40 tubers to produce 40 plants the following year. Because you take cuttings. Because we're taking cuttings. So I would perhaps keep 10, allow for some waste, because where we're growing with these big fat stems, they're sometimes harder to keep. Um, And I only need five. So I've got 30 tubers that are actually going to go to waste. So there's lots of local societies and specialist societies like the Essex Dahlia Society in our area, which are all based around Chelmsford and their events are around here. They will hold tuber sales. And it's just generally us growers giving spare tubers and then they will sell them to whatever people need. But they actually happen in November. Right, so that's the month to look out for them. If you can want you find, show varieties. Can you find them on a website? They're, they're online and you can find them. There's a Facebook page, the National Daily Society right. Facebook page, and there's lots, there's 6,000 members on there all around the country. So if you want to know where your near, nearest society or even local grower, because we'll all help each other and help others. So as long as they're spare, and if you want quality varieties that you can't buy, 
they'll give them to you. They're free. No one wants anything. They just don't want to spend time. So if you're prepared to meet someone on a plot, they will dig them up and you can take them home. Um, and you'll get quality show varieties that, that you wouldn't get you wouldn't get elsewhere. In the garden centre. And what else you'll get with that is a lot of help. Yeah. Because they'll tell you what to do with it. They'll tell you how to do it. Now, you're looking for key varieties in the sections, and there are a few. So you're looking for something like Mary's Germander is a miniature ball and is the most reliable, lovely Cerise Pink, um, Winholm Diane, small deck, Kenora Challenger. These are reliable show varieties that will... doesn't matter that they're for show. We don't grow anything that isn't reliable, doesn't produce a good flower, doesn't have a, a weak stem. You know, the, the, We don't want to waste our time. So in your garden, they will perform and be good garden dahlias with that extra little bit of something different about them. So use your, your, your time you've got now. Track down some local growers. There's lots of us out there, local societies. Communicate with them. Talk to them. And they'll help you. And, they will and help you might you. get some new varieties. I mean, I, I learned the late Jack Kins, yeah. who was a water lily dahlia yeah. grower, because they got more petals, haven't they? Water less, lily? Less, less petals. Less the, petals. The I didn't flowers. learn well enough then, did I? <laughs> um, I learned so much by going to his plot, yeah. talking to the man, you know. Yeah. I mean, the only thing we used to laugh about you was you used to plant them too early and they used to get caught by the frost. But other than that, <laughs> yeah. I learned so much about dahlia and how to grow them and how to feed them and how to stake, debud, everything. And that was because he was an, an addicted dahlia grower. Oh, he was passionate. Anything that with, with the prefix of Abridge... So it's his, isn't it's it? His. So there was Abridge Taffy, which was a beautiful white miniature deck, um, and it's got lots that are round and out there, and there's still a couple still being used mm. um, today on the show bench, but th- it's a passionate thing, whatever you're into, but people will impart that knowledge, they will help you, um, but you've got to go and find them. Let's go now to Dave, and Dave in Little Baddo, aren't you, Dave? Yes, that's right. How are you doing? I'm all right. What can we do for you, Dave? Well, I believe you wanted to talk to somebody about goats, and I think over my career I've had a few hundred, so I just wondered if I could answer any questions. <laughs> right. How, what, what, um, what goats do you actually have yourself now? I don't have any now. Um, too busy for that, I'm afraid, but um, oh. until about a year ago, I've, um, yeah, I've kept hundreds. Um, oh, well, the problem time. was we need to look at a, a female goat now. Because I'm right. sure if you're a goat, you've been a goat owner in the past, you'll know that if you're going to get a cold winter, they grow fur on their udders. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but that's actually, that starts to happen around the autumn. That's um, right. Yeah, and then uh, a common misconception, though, is that um, you get more and less fur throughout the year. But what actually happens is when they're not lactating, the skin surface area of the udder actually shrinks. Yeah, um, and that gives a that gives a visual appeal of that. There's a lot more fur more and it fur. looks denser. Yeah. But then when they start to lactate and the udder swells, um, yeah. you get a larger surface area of the udder. And but there's still the same amount of fur there. But right. What so but, what actually happens is when the, the thinner hairs drop out yes. in the autumn, they're replaced with thicker ones. And the thicker ones will come earlier if. We're going to have a cold winter, you see. That's what they always used to say. Is that right? I can, it's partially right, yes, because um, it, if you've got skin exposed to the element, yeah. um, the, the, you know, the thing is, naturally, the animal will start to you know, protect it and preserve. Exactly. So yeah. we were looking for someone with a goat 
or a herd of goats that said, yes, they've got loads of fur and yes, it's going to be a cold winter. What do you reckon <laughs> yourself, Dave? Well, I'll tell you what, um, having, you know, farmed livestock most of my life, I, I, can, I believe that is absolutely true. And if you <laughs> part the fur on animals, you start to see um, like a, a down start yep. to grow through. And they, they, and they, yeah, they thicken up. But it's usually um, October, November when yeah. you really see that happening. So you reckon we're going to wait another few weeks before we get a real answer? You reckon? Yeah, yeah I reckon. I reckon another six, eight weeks you'll really know. Um, by Christmas, I think you'll be able to look at the livestock and you know when you're going to be in for a real harsh Feb. So we need to find someone in a month's time. Yes? I reckon you're right, yeah. <laughs> OK, Dave, if you, if you meet anybody that's still got goats, give them a shout and get them to give us a call on a Saturday morning between 11 and 12. How about that, Dave? Uh, yeah, I'll do my best for you. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. That's Dave from Little Barrow Whittleton. Talk about goats, you see. And now let's go <laughs> to Jean from Great Wakering, who's not talking about goats at all. You're talking about mimosas, isn't that right? Yes, Ken. I have a mimosa bush which I've put in the garden this year and it has grown and it's five foot tall. Mm -hmm. How can I protect it this winter? Do you know which one it is? Oh, I don't. Has it got a very feathery, light leaf? Yes, like you'd get, you know, when you go buy the Moser in a florist shop, yes. Okay, so it's probably Delbarta. Delbarta sounds like There's some other more larger leafed ones and they tend to be more tender than Delbarta. Oh. Um, I wouldn't worry, personally. I mean, if you can... I, I would be tempted if you get what I always call water shoots, but you'll, you'll get shoots that go on a mission and, and grow really strongly. You could just tip those out, um, and I wouldn't worry too much. They are, they, you know, there's lots of acacias out there growing without any protection. If you've got some fleece, and yeah. we, we get a real cold snap, then just wrap a bit of fleece around it. But don't leave it on for too long, because quite often they sweat. They are. A... Well, that's what we were wondering. I have what? banked up the root well. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Just watch for cold, really cold weather. We're yeah. talking. We're talking yeah. really cold. Minus five plus for yeah. a spell. Get, get the fleece on it. But up to then, it's just that it's not sitting in water because they are an evergreen, and, and evergreens don't like sitting in water through the winter. And I have worked. I've worked in gardens where large mimosas existed in a couple of cold winters in the past, mm. and I mean really cold winters. It's yeah. killed them off, and they sprout from the base. Yeah. So they're good survivors. Like we had with the cauldron lines a few years yeah. ago when it took all don't, the cauldron lines out. Oh, so lovely. Don't and it's facing west. Should be all right. Should be all right, Jean. Good. Thank okay. you very much for all your help. That's a pleasure. That's Jean in Great Wokering. That's what we are here for to help you with your gardening questions. 0800 111 I, uh, Joy from Suffolk. I have an orange plant, four foot tall in the conservatory. Little oranges have gradually been dropping off and they're dark green. Any chance of ripening them, do you think? It's generally better. They're on a the plant. pain, aren't they? They're a pain. A you can't bit too much water, a little bit not enough. Uh, the light level changes. They, they tend this to shed time of the year, they shed leaves, they'll and shed a bit of fruit. Yeah. Uh, um, there's nothing you can do to ripen the fruit, is no, there? No, no, you just got to... Sometimes they produce too much fruit and it's a bit like yeah. the old sort of spring drop when you, when you get it on the apples and so on. Um, so just stick with it and just keep as consistent oh. as you can with watering. With, I think that's maybe a bit of overwater, you know, because when be. people think, oh, I want it to ripen, I want it to do this, I want it to they do that, more you water, water, water more. too much, too much. Yeah. So don't do that. Uh, just a little one here from Maureen. She says she rang the nursery about dahlias. That's your where you work, the garden centre. 
Advised to take photos by Foggy. Yes. Who's our, Foggy then? Foggy's our plant area manager. Oh, Foggy. Good old Foggy, anyway. Gave your email address, sent them there, but got no reply. More. Oh, oh no. This is the sort of thing I get. Is why haven't you replied <laughs> to my email? Send it again. Make sure it's the right email address. It's at Abercorn GC. So quite often people put dots in there and it, it doesn't, doesn't work. No. Um, but send it again. Sometimes they go into my junk folder and I get a lot of stuff obviously through work in there and I might have cleared it out or by accident. He's a bad lad. Or bring the pictures in. Yeah, bring them in. And I'll yeah. tell you there and then. Um, we were talking about the emails and the web. Well, Kalinda Smith lives in Texas and she says she listens to my podcast religiously every Sunday morning at the gym. Anyway, um, she loves the way uh, we talk and we give advice and it's her first year in gardening and she's put in... I'm amazed in Texas. Some Susan, Susan Williamson Ellis from David Austin. Roses will struggle, won't they? In, oh, in, in that in summer heat. It's oh. a black spot and mildew central, I'd imagine. She'll have roses, to look after those very well. Mulch them well, water mulch, them well, mulch them well. So yeah. if you're listening, although you didn't ask a question, we've <laughs> given you an answer, you see, over there in Texas. Dryness will, will encourage the problems. Well, indeed. Pauline from Clacton. Hello, Pauline. Hello. What can we do for you? Well, my whole lawn at the front is covered in mushrooms. Great big ones, tiny little brown ones. Some as big as your head. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> OK. Um, is there anything you can put down to get no, rid of them? No. No. Nothing at all. No, just go out there and pick, pick them, them off. Um, or get a, a, a rake and just hook them off with a rake. Take them away. Once the conditions change, we had a caller like this earlier. Uh, once the conditions change and they're less ideal for mushroom growth, then they will disappear. Oh, will they? Yeah. The trouble is, if you rake them off, you're spreading the spores everywhere, aren't you? No, no, no just, just get pick them off, them. pick them. Put a pair of gloves on and pick them, put them straight into a bag. Yeah, that's what I've been doing this morning out there. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing just the right thing, Pauline. That's all you can it. do. <laughs> keep doing it. Um, where were all the turnips last year? That was Pam in Windover. I don't know where the turnips were. Was it a bad Did, turnip year? Yeah, I didn't grow any. Well, so I don't know. No. I didn't grow. Perhaps someone can tell us whether it was a bad turnip year. We don't know. Um, can you tell me how to get my peppers right when they're in the greenhouse? <laughs> can I over the winter them? And that's Billy. Well, the answer really is no, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a job. You just leave them on, leave them in the greenhouse. You know how we ripen fruit with a banana because it gives off pectin, doesn't yes. it? And the gas that's given off. Yeah. Could we do that with peppers, if do you it, think, in a bowl indoor? If they're advanced enough, if they're large enough and they're just it's just about the colour, yes, you could. I mean, I know people at bonsai, you know, chilli peppers and things and actually keep them over winter as a growing plant, pruning them back. So get worth, enough warmth Worth a try. It's worth, worth a try. Just hold okay. on to them. Um... As a child in the late 40s, 50s, I was fascinated by the Venus flytrap uh, and sensitive plants that when you touch them, I folded its leaves and minutes later opened. Are these plants still around and yeah. haven't seen them for about six years? They are, aren't they? Uh, Venus flytraps are, are still then, around. Then the one with the ferny leaves. I know the one. I don't the know what it's called. Plant, really That's it. It is a mimosa, isn't it? Yes, I think. one of the mimosa um, plants, yeah. And, yeah, we still see them. I haven't, didn't see any this year, but normally... Within the bedding plants, one of the bedding growers grows a little crop of sensitive plants. Are they an indoor or are they an outdoor, really? They're, they're, they're an outdoor in the summer, but they're not hardy. Um, so you can have them outside or in, indoors. Indoor. But, um, they're not great hardy, but it's quite fun. As soon as someone knocks a bench, all the leaves close up. <laughs> 
Don't forget, you can always send us uh, a question on email, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. And I'd like to just get through a couple. And this was quite nice. So I got uh, one last Saturday programme. Uh, we were talking about wisterias. Um, just seeing who this is from. Gordon Carpenter in Tolsbury. And what we were saying, which I think Dave would agree with, is that Jeff was saying... Is it worth growing them from seed? Someone, you know, <laughs> ran up and said, shall I grow it from seed? And we said, well, it could take you 10 years yeah. to get there. Anyway, he sent a beautiful picture of his 40-year-old wisteria. Um, he's reduced it in size now because it fell off, the, fell off the wall. But anyway, he, um, one of his friends had great success a couple of years ago, had a couple of saplings from seed uh, about a foot high, gave to various friends, and one in particular, within five years, now it's seven years old, but within five years... Had flowered white. Well, so they are. That's good. Came from Probably a purple to well. a white, you see, which yeah. can happen, can't well, it? Well, if they're hybrids, you get anything and everything, can not you? But that was rather nice because we don't always get informed of, of uh, answers to our questions. Um, and that is and a good one. We also had Glenn asking about his lawn, which we had a picture of. Yes. Um, and it's it's got both of us, hasn't it? Because it's... To give people at home an idea, it looks perfectly white. I even got sent a sample of white dead grass. Yeah. Have you got any idea that could help him, do you think? Well, we thought it might have been chafer, but then look at, looking at the picture, it seems too widespread. So we might need to talk again about drainage or water. or. So could that... it be too much water, as much as too little? It do you could think, be, though? and if one side is green and the other side isn't off the path, different preparation maybe has caused it. Thank you very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to your questions, you can download this programme. Take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. And don't forget, if you've got a gardening question and you didn't get through this week, give us a call next week on 0800 111 4041. Be part of the programme. Ken Crowther every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11 o'clock. 